have your Bibles, would you hold them up with me? I'm a child of God. I have in my hand the powerful Word of God. It can change lives, heal broken hearts, save man's soul. Lord Jesus, today, speak to me. Speak to me. Speak to me. In Jesus' name, amen. High five, you, high five or fist pound. Now reach over there and hug them. Come on. Let's get some hugs going both ways, both ways. All right, I've been watching. Mila hadn't got a hug yet. Come on now. Been watching. All right. Cindy, did you get a hug? All right. Corey, did you get a hug? All right. Scott, get a hug? All right, all right. I didn't get a hug. Kathy, hold up, hold up that baby though. Colts. <laughs> They're hoping for the best against New England today, the Colts. Aaron's a big Kansas City Chiefs fan and Kathy's a Colts fan, so look who won out. So there you go. Hallelujah. Oh my goodness. Living with an attitude of gratitude. I believe that Christians in America, 2009, we have so much to be grateful for. Would you agree with that? Amen. Uh, really more things than we can even understand. We are thankful and should be and should be grateful. Kind of reminded me of a story I read about a wealthy Texan who was in the habit of giving his father unique Father's Day gifts. And so, uh, uh, well, one year he, he gave him uh, hang, hang gliding lessons. Uh, the next year, uh, and you'll love this, some of you will know what I'm talking about, and others will go, huh? But he gave him an, a, a collection, an entire record collection of Slim Whitman's greatest hits, <laughs> signed by the performer himself. Now, some of you know who Slim Whitman is. That's scary in and of itself. But this year, this particular year, he wanted to outdo all of his other gifts, so he gave his dad, for Father's Day, a rare kind of South American bird called the translator. The bird could speak five languages and sing the yellow rose of Texas in any key while standing on one foot. The talented bird cost $10,000. But this guy felt it was worth every penny. It would be the Father's Day gift that his dad would never forget. A week after Father's Day, he calls his dad. He says, hey, Dad, how did you like the bird? And his dad said, it was delicious. <laughs> Sometimes we don't appreciate what we have. Amen. Oh, my goodness. Francis Schaeffer once said, The beginning of man's rebellion against God was and is the lack of a thankful heart. The beginning of man's rebellion against God was and is the lack of a thankful heart. Ooh. And we in America embody that. W.E. Hensley wrote a poem, famous poem, entitled Invictus. And in the Latin, it literally means unconquered. 
unconquered. It's the testimony to that unconquerable human spirit. Its imagery is that of a person standing at the gates of hell unafraid because he is, he is sufficient unto himself. The famous stanza that comes from that poem is, It matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishments the scroll. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. How well that summarizes where we live in our culture in America in 2009. It's an attitude that oneself is the source of strength, of happiness and prosperity. And tragically, we Christians are influenced by that thought process. We get to believing that God somehow is blessed to have us as a part of His kingdom. Us as a part of His family. And what we receive, well, it just is kind of funny how that happens, isn't it? Don and I were emailing this week and a particular part of the message last week fits so very well the lesson that he taught in Sunday school. And he said, boy, that's coincidence, isn't it? wonder how that happens. How does God know what we're fixing to say here? How does that one song that gets played penetrate our hearts? You know that same song, John picks it every week to play for the communion time. I'm rescued. You came to rescue me, God. And that's what this does. Amen. <laughs> And I love that song he's picking now to just play during our prayer time. Holy surrender? Man. But sometimes it's just, it, it just grabs us. And we've got to understand that it's not about us. That's an attitude that runs against scriptural teaching and is inconsistent with those who have a spirit-filled life. Those of us who know Jesus, who've been born again, washed in His blood, given the gift of eternal life, should never give in to that way of thinking. We have so much for which we are to be grateful. We have the gospel. We have the good news. And then we have the privilege of sharing that good news with those around us. Today we're going to look in Psalm 100. So if you have your Bibles open there. There'll be some of it up on the screen, but I like it when you're following in your Bible because there you can highlight and underline and circle and you might say, well, this is the Word of God. We can't do that. Yes, you can. It'll be okay. God, let me know that it's okay for you to underline, highlight, and circle in your Bible. Ooh, I didn't get a response. I thought I'd get something out of that one. But in Psalm 100, we, we see some exciting practical things that we can learn, five of them, and then I want to give you three ways that you can make it even more real and apply it more in your life. So let's just dig right in there. Verse 1, and the first way that God helps us in, to, to have that attitude of gratitude is that He says, shout triumphantly to the Lord all the earth. Now the King James says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord all ye lands. I've heard people describe their singing as making a joyful noise unto the Lord. Because it has to be a joyful to the Lord because it's not to those that are around them. 
But you know what? I love it when people who really don't think they can sing, sing at the top of their lungs. I had a friend that was that way. Oh, my goodness, it was painful to hear him sing. It wasn't close to, I mean, close to being on key at all. But when you turn around and look at their face, you can see they were just in the Lord, you know. <laughs> yeah. And drive up to a street corner and you see somebody with their windows rolled up, but boy, they're just going to town, aren't they? You can see it. Oh, heads are bopping. They're beating on the thing and it's going. You just wonder how, you know, if they roll the window down, you go, whoa, roll it back up. <laughs> I'm telling you, make that joyful noise. In my study this week, I found an interesting fact from uh, Kaufman Kohler in the Jewish Encyclopedia. That he, he's, he quotes, or his quote is saying that there's no language that has more words for joy and rejoicing than the Hebrew language. The Old Testament, there are 13 root Hebrew words for rejoicing or joy. And it's found, that root is found in 27 different words. And they all are used in some aspect of joy or joyful participation in religious worship. We're supposed to be joyful in our religious worship. Now you are during hug and howdy. Even when the preacher, who should have all authority in the church, stands up to say something, you just keep on going. And this Sherry Blair reminds me every week, you're starting too early with the hug and howdy. I said, well, get up and come earlier. I just knew, I just knew somehow I wasn't going to get by that one. Sometimes things slip out and you go, should I said it, should I said it. I just need to move on is what I need to do. <laughs> Praise God. My point is this. Psalm 16 and verse 11 says, You reveal the path of life to me in your presence, that's God's presence, is abundant joy. In your right hand are external pleasures. We are to express our gratitude to the Lord in audible, public manners. It's okay to throw your hands up. It's okay to say, praise the Lord. It's okay to say, amen. It's okay to say, hallelujah. It's all right. I love preaching to my black brothers and sisters. That's what they do. The first time I was invited to speak up in North Tulsa and at one of our joint services, Don Baker, remember, we had a good crowd that night. We were up there and uh, I was preaching and I thought to myself, oh, I may not want to say this. And I said to the people, hey, you're not going to like this, what I'm fixing to say to you. And usually I'm used to your response. One lady, she said, well, say it anyway. I thought, can you talk back? You're not supposed to talk back. Who was that? So I said it anyway. I love it. I love it. 
Because you see, that's really the essence of it. You're tuned in, aren't you? When you're responding, there's a tuning in. And that's what's important, that we stay tuned in and let the Lord touch us. And when He touches us, boy, we ought to express that. And He says, make a joyful noise. Make a joyful noise. Hallelujah. It's like the little young person who yelled out, Amen, a while ago. Isn't that great? Let them, let them turn loose. And you see, emotion is a good thing. I, I attend sporting events. I see people get excited and loud and all of that. I even see people get escorted from the sidelines sometimes. For their exuberance, their exuberance. I see people, <laughs> I see people banned from being able to be on the side <laughs> for their exuberance. So many things going through my mind. I need to move on. Do you do you know the history of the word enthused? It is a Greek word, a Greek word that means to be possessed by God. Enthused is a Greek word that means to be possessed by God. So on Sunday morning, does anybody know that we're possessed by God? <laughs> oh, I, I understand. I don't want you jumping pews. Don't. For some of you, it'd be like me. It'd hurt you if you jump. You know? Don't jump. I understand that you don't have to sit there and just every moment of the day, oh, yeah, praise God. Oh, hallelujah. Ay, 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 ay. I don't, no, I'm not after that because that becomes phony, doesn't it? But when the Lord really touches you, whoo, yeah, all right. Geneva, every now and then, she'll, a song will hit her and she'll take off dancing around the church. I never forget the first Sunday she did that. Some of you went, whoa, where'd she go? But what I loved is one of our members, when she went by, said, Hey, next, next go-around, grab me. I'm coming with you. You know, so, hey, there you go. When the Spirit of the Lord moves in you, let Him know about it. Let Him know about it. Be awesome. Number two, He's worthy of our service. Look in verse two. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before Him, that's before His face, with joyful songs. Don't worry about it if you can't sing. Sing it anyway. Let her rip, tater chip. <laughs> That's let it go. Oh, man, I, oh, you, you haven't heard me preach. You haven't seen our preacher. I know, I haven't. That's okay. Let it go anyway. Let it come out of your heart. Amen? Service to the Lord implies three things. Number one, humility. You can't serve someone unless you have a humble attitude. Jesus said, if you want to be great, you need to be the least. I came to serve, not be served. Wow. That's a contrast from our world today. Contrast. The second thing that service to the Lord implies is fidelity. Service implies faithfulness. Otherwise, it would not be service, but betrayal. I serve because. I serve because. And then the third thing service to the Lord implies is activity. You can't serve someone if you don't do anything. You just can't do it. You've got to serve them. 
You got to get up and physically do it. I love the fact that for 10 months out of the year on the fourth Wednesday night of the month, we head down to John 3.16. And that's awesome. October was the first month in I don't know how many years we didn't have any representation there. But here's the great news. We've teamed up with another youth group and they were there. So our ministry continues on. But you know what? We can serve anyone. We had a bunch of folks show up 20 some odd folks show up down to plant trees last Saturday. A week ago Saturday. We put them in in an hour. We teamed up with Life Connection Church. It was awesome. Uh, in this week's Chiefs Journal, there should be a picture and an article about it. Take a look at that hardworking preacher you got here at your church. <clears throat> leaning on the truck, but we won't, we won't talk about it. Somebody had to do the leaning. I've met a girl named Eileen and Eileen, 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 Eileen. <laughs> But many people think that service to God is confined to just simply vocational ministry. Those of us that are in full-time ministry, you're the ones that do the serving. Oh, no, 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 no. The joy comes when you serve. The joy for me is when I watch you serve. Now, I need to be down there with you and serving, but, but we need to serve together. That's what makes it fun. That's what makes it fun. Remember, God is more concerned with what we are than what we do because what we are will determine what we do. It will determine that. When God was giving the law to the Israelites in Deuteronomy 28 and verse 47, He told them that they would be cursed if they did not serve the Lord with joyfulness and with gladness of heart for the abundance of all things. When you stop and consider where you are and what you have, your heart should just overflow with gratitude and joyfulness to the Lord. You ought to just jump, shout, hallelujah, every time you think about everything. When you walk in your door of your house or apartment today and look around your room and it's full, say hallelujah. <laughs> when you sit down and turn on that HD TV that brings it in clearer than it's ever been in your life. We were watching cartoons with our granddaughter yesterday. I, Cindy said, I don't ever remember cartoons being that bright and that clear. I said, we didn't have HD, baby. <laughs> I said, what's all that color doing in there? That's where I'm from. Yeah. Remote control, the remote control was me walking over and turning the channel to the three channels that we had. We didn't have 900. Yeah, boy, you got to have that stuff, right? Nah, you don't really have to have it, but is it awesome? Wow. So just look around you. Look around you. A man needs to understand that when you are blessed, you ought to share that blessing. So many people who claim to know Jesus as Lord and Savior live lives devoid of joy and gladness, and that's because they focus on the wrong things. Some serve Christ out of greed. They serve Him because they want something in return. Okay, God, I'll give this to you, but I'm going to need this. You ever understand that spirit? Maybe you see it. Maybe you have it. A man who is greedy is destined to a life of unhappiness. <clears throat> Why is that? Physical things are empty. You can have the biggest boat you want. You can have the biggest house you want. If it has more than one air conditioner, compressor, cooling it off or heating it, more house than I need. I don't like the electric bill that that brings. Not that it's bad to have it, but you know what I'm saying? You gotta have that new car. I gotta have that new deal. I gotta have that thing. I gotta have that surround sound. Ooh, I need the 75 inch screen. Ooh. 
so I can feel like I'm right there. No, if you're right there, people are pouring beer on you and, and you're in a cubicle this close. You're far out. Yeah. It's crazy. Got to have a tub of nachos. Without nachos and jalapenos, you can't really watch a football game. Baseball game. I love when Roy D. Mercer called Coach Trimble several years ago. We were playing Union for a state championship. He said, Coach, how about if I come down the sideline and stand with you and we'll share a tub of nachos? And Coach Trimble said, Roy, you can't come down on the sideline. He said, well, how come? You're not doing anything. I just come down and stand with you. We share a tub of nachos. He said, no, nah, we can't do that. He said, I got a coach. He said, you ain't coaching. You're standing there. All them others are coaching. You're standing. I just love it. And wouldn't that have been good, Coach Trimble and Roy D. Mercer sharing the tub of nachos on the sideline? Awesome. Awesome. Greed. Greed drives us to possess stuff. The Bible says, lay up for yourselves treasures. Where? Ah. Where moth and rust don't decay. Everything you have now, <clears throat> you won't take with you when the hearse is hauling you to the graveside. Amen? Others serve out of and with a grudge. That attitude, that grudge attitude says, why do I have to do this for God? Haven't I done enough already? I mean, after all, I've served. After all, I've served. After all, I have served. Right? I put in my time. It's time for somebody else to do it. And I would agree with you. But wouldn't it be fun to do it together? You see, if we could get the older folks to invest in the younger folks and the younger folks receive the investment <laughs> of the older folks' uh, ministry and wisdom, woo, we could do some great things. Well, these kids today, I can't teach them. They're not like they were 20 years ago. You're right. They're as knuckleheaded now as they were then because they're spoiled rotten. They are. Every parent in here said, amen, you know it's true. Every young person in here said, ain't it true, preacher, ain't it true. <laughs> I got you. I got you. Who bought that car you're driving? That's not important. Oh, okay, I got you. Who puts that gas in your shop? That's it ain't important, preacher. Okay, I got you. Yeah, I got you. What about that credit card? Oh, I don't talk about the credit card, preacher. I'll serve you, Lord. I'll serve you. But I've already done enough. John Maxwell put it this way. The instant we are born, we already owe somebody for nine months of room and board. And we never really pay that back. <laughs> Every mother say amen. That's it. All right. Every, if your mother's here close, would you look at her and blow her a kiss at least? Come on. Come on. At least. These people have lost that joy of salvation. Just like in marriages, our relationship to the Lord doesn't have to become a grind. It doesn't have to lack passion and zeal. We just got to grab people. Sometimes guys walk in and grab your wife, dip her down, give her a big old hug and a kiss, and just watch her have a heart attack right there in your arm. Ladies, ladies, don't grab him and dip him down there. You'll hurt your back. But anyway, do something. You see what I'm saying? Bring a little zeal. Bring a little fire back in that thing. Ooh, man, my... 
My husband got all fired up. We'd be in the hospital. Well, that may be that may be true. I was hoping somebody would help me with this part of the sermon. That's awesome. Don't serve the Lord with greed, with a grudge, or with a grind. We're to serve the Lord with gladness. Number three, He alone is God. Look at verse three. Know that the Lord is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. No one else deserves our service like He does. He's God. He is God. He must be first in our lives before our careers, before our family, before our children, before our wives, before our own desires, before everything. God must be first. Oh, preacher, I don't know, boy. I, I don't know. Got to get him there. Because the beautiful part is once you put him there, all the rest of it is even better. It is. Because that's just the way He works. He made us. We are His. And just because of that, we ought to have an attitude of gratitude. Because without His creation, we have nothing. Without Him breathing into man the breath of life, we have nothing. We have no claim. No right on our own lives. They belong to Him because when we sold ourselves out to sin, He bought us back with the blood of His precious Son at Calvary. His people, the sheep of His pasture. We are His representatives. And as sheep, He leads us, provides for us, guides us, comforts us, protects us, and prospers us. He alone is the source of all blessings. You got you didn't do any of it. He gave it to you. Rejoice. And again I say, rejoice. One of the greatest things about Trojan football is watching playoffs because all the boys do their hair blonde. Brother Dave had blonde hair and jumped in and made it blonder. He almost disappears from the neck up, you know. I'm grateful they wear maroon colored helmets. That helps. I can find them. But you know what? They do that as a band of brothers and they do it as a sign of unity and we're in this to win it. Amen? Folks, you and I, you and I have the same color all over us when we've been to Calvary. And that's the blood of Jesus covering our sins. And we're in it to win it. We're in it for the long haul. And we're in it to see good things come. And let's remember who to give the blessings to. A Chinese proverb says, when you drink from the stream, remember the spring. When you drink from the spring, remember the spring. Don't forget from whence our salvation comes. Nothing you and I have done. It's what He did. Number four, He is worthy of our praise. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give Him thanks and praise. In ancient Israel, the Israelites could only experience the presence of God through the Ark of the Covenant. God resided there and the great news for you and me is that Jesus is not in a box. Jesus lives in us. Evidenced by the Holy Spirit that He gave us a guarantee of His presence. So quit quenching Him. <laughs> quit stifling Him. And when you feel you shouldn't do something, don't do it. That's the Holy Spirit going, no, 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 no. 
Instead, we're listening to the old demon going, sure you can, sure you can, sure you can. God knows. He understands how weak you really are. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Ooh. He's worthy of our praise. And we need to let Him live in us. And because He does, we have the hope beyond all hope. The New Testament Christians are always in the presence of God. We can't escape His presence. You name it, He's there. So our attitude should always be one of thanksgiving, one of praise. We are to be thankful and to bless His name. Several scriptural references to that. You, you can recall the story of Isaac's son, Jacob, who wrestled with the angel of God in Genesis 32. He tells the angel that he won't let go until he blesses him. Blessings which would bestow abundant and effective life upon that person receiving the blessing. And dads, I encourage you to take your children one by one and pass a blessing into their life. Dads, you're supposed to do that. Take your children and pass a blessing into them. Bless over them. Pray for them. Put your arm around them. Let them know that they are loved and cared for. Let them know that they are still under your wing of protection because there will be a day when they're out from under that wing. But I'm telling you, it's awesome. It's awesome to share that blessing in the life of your children. Number five, God is good. For the Lord is good and His love is eternal. His faithfulness endures through all generations. Here's why we give praise to God. We are told that we are to enter His gates with thanksgiving, to serve Him with gladness, because He is good, His mercy is on us, and because His truth is without end. And there is no one else about whom our praise and thanksgiving should be focused on, because God is good. Now let me give you three quick suggestions on how to make that practically happen in your life. Number one, take note. That means make your life aware. Make your life aware. As Americans, we are often tempted to see nothing but our own reality. If you'll just take a trip down to the Mexican border, look across the border. You don't even have to go. Just look across. You'll see how blessed we are. Some of you that have gone on our trips to what else? You know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. I never will forget the time we went and the, they had the uh, satellite dish hooked up to a cinder block house. And I asked the uh, evangelist, I said, why do they do that? He said, it's prestige. He said, if you'll also notice, it doesn't hook up to anything. <laughs> it's just hanging on the side of their house so they look good. What well, could be said of a lot of Christians today, couldn't it? They just kind of hang out the spiritual stuff so it looks good. It's been calculated that if you reduce the world's population to a city of 1,000 inhabitants, 46 of those people would be Americans, and the other 954 would represent the rest of the world's population. Is that not an incredible thought? Let me give you a little bit more. Those 46 Americans would receive half the income of the city, and the other one half would be divided among the remaining 954 people. The 46 Americans would have a life expectancy of 75 years, while the other 954 would less, live less than 40 years. The Americans would have 15 times as many possessions per person as all the rest of the people in the world. Huh. Most American dogs and cats eat better than most people around the world. Oh my, do we have a lot to be thankful for. Take note. Become aware. 
Open your eyes to the world around you. It will shock you. And I hope it will drive you and cause you to become grateful. Secondly, take inventory of those blessings in your life. Love that old song. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God has done. Yep. How many times have you sung that in your life? <laughs> and then how many times do we do it? Oh, that's a great song. I, what do you mean do it? I, you know, got to get a pencil of paper and I got to make a list. Yeah, why not? It wouldn't hurt. Top ten things that you're thankful for. Uh, well, uh, I can only think of three. Hey, three more than you do. <laughs> Acknowledge it. Take inventory. Look around you. Count those blessings. Many of us have a tendency to focus on what's wrong which gives a distorted picture. Somewhat like the article I ran across from Barry Siegel in the Los Angeles Times. He put in there to consider what some scientists predict. Are you ready? If everyone keeps stacking National Geographics in garages and attics instead of throwing them away, the magazine's weight will sink the continent 100 feet sometime soon and we will all be inundated by the oceans. This one's even better. If the number of microscope specimen slides submitted to one St. Louis hospital, one St. Louis hospital lab continues to increase at its current rate, the metropolis of St. Louis will be buried under three feet of glass by the year 2224. Here's, the, here's my favorite. If beach, come, if beach goers keep returning home with as much sand clinging to them as they do now, 80% of the country's coastline will disappear in 10 years. If we focus on the wrong things, we will never see the good things. Take inventory of the blessings and stop focusing on the things you don't need to focus on. Number three, take action. Turn your attitude of gratitude into an action of appreciation. Do something good for someone else. You may say, you know, I love my wife. Do you? How do you demonstrate that to her? Wives, you may say, I love my husband. Well, good. How do you demonstrate that to him? Well, I'm there for him. Oh, are you? In what way are you there? Can you identify that? Well, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, I love the one, ladies, right? You say, I love you, and he goes, oh, ditto. Man, that's just got a lot of passion behind it, doesn't it? That just makes you want to just jump up and grab him and lather up all over that boy. Glad you can't wait, right? Ditto. Man, that's just... Huh. A rich man once asked his friend, why am I criticized for being miserly and everyone knows that I'm going to leave everything to charity when I die? Said the friend, well, let me tell you about the pig who was lamenting to the cow one day about how unpopular he was. People are always talking about your gentleness and your kind eyes, says the pig. Sure, you give milk and cream, but I give so much more. I give bacon and ham, and then they even pickle my feet. Still, nobody likes me. Why is that? And the cow thought for a moment, and then he said, well, maybe it's because I give while I'm still living. There are some here today who have more resources, money stashed away than you're ever going to need. I know you're looking around, who's that? <laughs> I understand. I want you to stop and consider what I'm, what I'm saying. You've got a lot of resources, you just don't realize it. Either that or you do realize it and you're just holding on to it for some reason. For some reason, boy, wouldn't it be awesome 
to let God be blessed and his kingdom be blessed by some of those resources? That'd be awesome. Be awesome. I want to close with the words from a past president of the United States on April 30th, 1863. President Abraham Lincoln read his proclamation for a national day of fasting, humiliation, and prayer. In part, here's what he said. We have been the recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven. We have been preserved the many years in peace and prosperity. We have grown in numbers, wealth, and power as no other nation has ever grown. But we have forgotten God. We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us. And we have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own. Intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace, too proud to pray to God that made us And it behooves us then to humble ourselves before the offended power to confess our national sins and to pray for clemency and forgiveness. How about you this morning? Does your life right now demonstrate a sense of gratitude to God? When others see you, are they aware that your life is being lived for someone else to whom you owe a great deal? Is there joy in your life? Does it show? Have you demonstrated lately gratitude to Almighty God? Father, I ask you this morning to do a mighty work in each person here. Our tendency, Lord, is to be forgetful. Our tendency is to say, well, you know, God, you understand. I mean, you know that I love you. God, God you know that I appreciate things. Uh, you know, God, I, you, you, you know, you know. When maybe he doesn't know it all. So, God, I want to ask you this morning, would you be real in each life here today? Would they allow you to touch them in a real way today? Father, would they look in their hearts, and if they don't have that attitude of gratitude, Because of what you've done, could they recapture it? They probably had it at one time. And life has a way of robbing that from us. But that's really our choice as well. So, Father, I just pray that today, someone, several ones, will decide that they're going to return to an attitude of gratitude and lift praises to you. We're We're going to lift joyful noises unto you oh God would you move today perhaps there's someone here today that just has such a burden they, they can't be thankful for anything because life is crushing in around them they're struggling with just making bills to be paid and getting a job that will pay enough to get by they're staring at Christmas and looking in the eyes of their children and knowing that it's going to be difficult this year at best to get them anything. Oh God, would you be real to that person today and help them to realize the richness of what they are and who they are and what they have because of what you've blessed them with. God, if there's a decision to be made today, would they make it as we stand and sing together? In Jesus' name, amen, amen.